Hello guys, and welcome to another Humble Hustle Happy Hour. I'm here with Veronica Quispe, and she is the Senior Digital Coordinator for FIBA Americas, which is amazing. And I'm here, I mean, just, it's, the whole experience is absolutely amazing here. So thank you so much for taking the time absolutely. to speak with me today. Absolutely. So let's kind of like set the stage, right? So we met when? When was it that you were in my classes? Oh, I was in your class by probably 2016. 2016, yeah. nice. And I remember us having these really great conversations yes. at the time you were at the Miami Herald. Yes. And you know, you were just kind of figuring out adulting, I think yeah. for the best part and those strategic moves. But what really stood out for me when it came to our interactions is that you were very motivated to break into an industry that there wasn't a lot of female representation. Yeah. You were very focused, you knew what your end game was, mm -hmm. and you were willing to do the work to kind of get where you want to be. So uh, tell us a little bit first about your experience at the Miami Herald and how it kind of evolved into your amazing experiences. Oh, sure, so I started at the, at the Miami Herald in 2013. So I had just graduated from high school that June. By August, I was already working there as like, just like a, as a high school's clerk, they used to call them. I don't, I don't know if they still have that <laughs> position there, but back in the day, um, there used to be someone that would call coaches and get stats for all these different sports in the high school level. Um, and then, so I was going to FIU at the same time. And so it just happened that I was working there all throughout my college career, I guess, too. So. Um, through the Miami Herald, I was also getting, like every year it was like a new promotion. Like, okay, well now you're, you're doing high schools next year, you're gonna do all of the like professional sports stats. Then you're gonna do online producing. Then you're gonna keep doing online wow. producing for another year. Then, so by the time I left, which was five years later, I was a, what they call now a growth editor. So basically dealing with a lot of audience and social and digital and all of that, like strategic planning more okay. or less. I basically, the, the only thing I didn't do was basically sweep the floors at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it was crazy. I mean, we covered it all. Like, I mean, the Miami Herald does an amazing job covering everything that um, local readers need to know and all the stories that really matter. And obviously, Pulitzer Prizes are on the wall to show yeah, that they're right? great. So by the time you already mm -hmm. start, you already knew you wanted to be in sports. Yeah, so, so how did that emerge? Like, where did your <laughs> love and passion for sports? So growing up, I hated sports. <laughs> yeah, that's where it started. Um, yeah, I hated sports. I was always, you know, I was not very coordinated growing up. Wasn't athletic, still not athletic. <laughs> it just happened randomly one time. I just, I always knew I wanted to be in journalism, always since the fourth grade. Doing what exactly I wanted to be, everything between like a movie director to a war reporter. Like okay. it's just all over the place, right? But in 10th grade, more or less, I, there was a position open in the high school newspaper department for a sports editor. And they were like, oh, you know, we need people to do it. Because I guess not a lot of people wanted to do it. So then they, they were like, we need people to do it. So if you apply and get it, you'll start in the newspaper, but not as a writer, but as an editor. And for me, in my big head back then, I was like, this would be great. And so <laughs> I applied. I don't know why they chose me, because I thought baseball had a halftime. The only thing I really knew about sports was like Dwayne Wade, and like that was it. And That's I, all I was, you need to know, though. And That's it was all you still need to know. a question mark about like what he did. I just knew he did basketball, you know. I just, so I didn't know who he was really, but I knew the name. So I don't know who chose me to do this. Um, I guess it was like a blessing in disguise. But anyway, so I did that. And then the next year I did it again, and then and so I did it for the following three years of high school, and I just really liked it. 
by the time I get to college, I'm like, okay, I'm going to join the FIU newspaper because I just don't like to just not be doing extra stuff. Right. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to join that newspaper and I'm going to branch out because like, whatever, I'm done with sports. Let me try to see some like news, features, right. anything else. Of course, the only spots available were sports. And so I was like, okay, whatever. I'll enter through sports and see if maybe there's other positions opening later on. And within like the first three weeks of me there, they're like, oh, the Herald is hiring in their sports department. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Obviously, who wouldn't want to work there? So I go and I apply and the editor loved me. Um, he's my mentor till this day. And yeah, that was kind of how I just, it's, it's more that sports has loved me more <laughs> than I've loved it. But over the years working in it, it's just something that I just become really passionate about because there's just no way I could I couldn't have because right. you start learning about it. So I mean I was working um, at the Herald still like when I first started I still didn't know a lot about it because I was covering it like just through my high school and right. kind of thing. So when I started cover when I started working in it professionally, so young, it, I realized very quickly I'm way over my head. Like this is something that. It, it was like I had imposter syndrome since then, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know who hired me. I don't know why, but I'm here. So I'm just going to have to like a sink or float kind of thing, you know? And so I would just ask all my friends different questions. Like I would take them out to like, I remember taking out my best friend who's a baseball player to Buffalo Wild Wings. We would watch the playoffs. And I'd be like, okay, but why is this happening? What does this mean? Whatever. And then like recently he even said like, you knew so little that it was hard to explain because there are certain things that you were asking me that I even though he's played since he was five, never really questioned it because yeah. I've been playing for so long. But you knew so little that it was hard to explain to you what this game was. Right. And so then I would ask someone else that knew a lot about basketball. Like, okay, but why are they doing this? And, and when they do this, why is this a foul? And that's not like, whatever. Like I would just ask all these different questions just so that I know at least the basic way I can survive. Who are the main players? I would watch a lot of ESPN. And, and so I would always just like try to listen to podcasts, just try to really immerse myself and within that just for work but within that i just fell really in love with the whole pageantry of it all and i felt in love with like the drama of it and i just thought like oh. i love the trash talking yeah <laughs> yeah i was the like trash oh, this is like yeah. this is like a novella but with like men and so then i started getting into women's sports and so i was like oh this is cool like you know there's a lot of women that are being that are championing their own sport you know and they don't have a lot of limelight and that's been a recurring storyline since i've I right. started it, and I'm sure way before then. So yeah, no, it's been an interesting like journey thus far. I don't think it's finished. I'm not done with sports yet, but um, it's been really interesting into getting to know who I could be in this space. So here you are, and I love that you said that it was more that sports loved me more mm -hmm. than I love sports, but I love the fact that you were so open to opportunity, mm -hmm. right? You were so open to like, where is this going to take me and go? Which then leads to the amazing transition mm -hmm. where you leaving the Miami Herald. Yes. So where did you go after the Miami Herald? So I went to a conference called National Association of Hispanic Journalists, mm -hmm. right? And I went there and I met a bunch of people, like everyone does at these seminars right. and conferences. That fun um, networking piece, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I love networking because I just love meeting people. I love talking to people. I guess it's the journalism. Um, I'm horrible you know, at vein I'm behind horrible it. at yeah. it. So. No, I love, I love it because like, I don't really see it as networking. I see right. it more just like as making friends. And like, because when I go network, it's usually, every time I've gone networking, I've been blessed to just go as 
just to meet people because I never needed a job because I've right. been working since I was 18. Right. When I was there, I met this incredible woman. She worked at ESPN. She was just very impressive. And she was like, oh, you know, I have this position open. Like, let me know if you're interested. And it aligned a lot with what I already knew how to do, which was, so I became an associate editor at ESPN shortly after because we just kept in contact. And she's like, I'm bringing you on. In fact, I interview everything they don't choose me. They say, oh, we can't hire you. Um, we hired someone else. We went with another candidate. Which was the first time I've ever like applied for something and not gotten it. Wow. Usually, How did that feel, though? So, right, was, so let's talk about that, right? Oh, it was very because, dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> and especially it's ESPN. Exactly. Right? Like this is the, the mecca of sports. Exactly. And so here I am applying, and they said no. Yes. Um, no, it was great. Um, <laughs> so I set the ESPN goal for myself when I was in high school. And I liked it, and I think that everyone had such a great view of what ESPN right. was. And I thought, you know, the, one of the things I really love about sports, and the main thing I love about sports, is that it has all of the journalism realms put into one. You know, it has, like, everything from, like, crime. It has sports and stuff. It has news. It has features. It yeah. has fashion, music. You know, Global it has issues. It has everything. It, it everything. encompasses everything. Exactly. So things that usually in journalism are very branched out. They're all different departments. Sports has it all at all the time, you know? So I really liked that because it's, it kept me being in the know of all these different things. So anyway, so that's kind of where I said, okay, ESPN could be a great job to work at, to do what? I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe I'll hold cable there. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, that was a goal I set for myself in high school. Fast forward, I go, I, I, I interview. And you get and the no. I did, yeah, and I was on a plane coming back from Chicago that I had just gone to Chicago to watch a game because that's how I spend my money. <laughs> and so I went to Chicago, watched a football game, came back. And on the plane, as soon as I land, I put my phone out of airplane mode and I get a call from like a Connecticut number. And I was like, oh my God. And then they're like, yeah, like I, we went with a different candidate. Thank you so much for applying. Please keep in touch, you know, for future um, references or future positions, whatever. And it's a packed plane because it was pre-COVID, obviously. And so I was, I was just there looking at my partner and I was just telling him, yeah, so I didn't get the job. And he just looked at me as if I was just going to break down. And I was just like, I'm going to. I'm just not going to cry because I'm, I don't like crying in public. So I'm like, I'm just not going to cry. This is not the end of the world. People are dying. Stop. So I was just like going. And as soon as I got into the car, I just bawled my eyes. I was like, yeah. this is horrible. This is the worst. I can believe it. Because in my head, I had worked so hard for the past five years in the sense of I saw people study abroad. Yeah. I saw people partying on Saturdays while yeah. I was working. I saw people. So I had sacrifice you've given so it this your all exactly yeah. i had sacrificed so much by keeping this job that was teaching me so many things because i thought you know even if i stay at the herald right i just want to make sure that everything that i had learned thus far was valued in a sense of like we know that you have learned x amount right so in that moment it felt like it wasn't because someone else had learned more than i did you know what I mean? Yeah. Which was crazy because just because you lose out on a job doesn't diminish everything you've learned. That knowledge is still in your brain. Yeah. But Veronica in that moment, <laughs> crazy, crying, whatever, there was no reasoning until, you know, I got home, I let it go. I'm like, okay, 
what's the next step here, you know? Wow. And, and I so, like that, right? Like you, you, I, what I like is that you felt it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we, we take these hits and we think like, okay, I have to brush this off like super fast. Mm -hmm. And there, there is a part obviously to kind of get it back on the horse, but it's important to feel that because mm -hmm. I think it reminds us of how important, how passionate, mm -hmm. how driven we are mm -hmm. by our passions when we feel like that, that amount of hurt from a failure or loss exactly. or, or an opportunity that, you know, we think it's not going to happen. Exactly. And I just tried to be as cold as possible, as logical as possible. They had told me it was a, uh, that the person that got hired over me was a previous intern. And so it just made sense. I'm yeah. like, if I'm hiring, I would want to hire someone that I already know how yep. they work rather than like yep. take a chance with someone new. The next day, I emailed this lady. I was like, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. Hope to see you again sometime. Please let me know if you're ever in Miami, et cetera, et cetera, which is what everyone should do, in yes. my opinion. Yes, yes. And then, yeah. And so a couple of days later, she um, emails me, sorry, couldn't work, but don't worry. We haven't seen the last of each other or something like that. I remember she said something sort of dramatic like that. And so that really <laughs> stuck with me. And so I was like, okay. Sure enough, like a couple of weeks later, she's like, hey, there's an opening. Same spot, same everything. You're still good for it? And I was like, sure. And that's the one I got. Oh, that's and awesome. So, so then I started in December 1st rather than September, which was great because... I was able to go to all like the UN football games that I wanted that year. That I was able to travel a little bit more. I was able to, you know, I was able yeah. to just really reel in the last of that sort of six months that I would have that been season. in Connecticut. Yeah. Exactly. It was a blessing, I think, because I, there are a lot of things that I did from, let's say I would have started September till December that I would have been sad if I hadn't done. Yeah. No, I could definitely so, see that. Yeah, so it was a blessing. So that's how I got to ESPN. So I will tell you that I brag about you every chance I get because ESPN, right? And so when I hear people saying like, oh, you know, sports, this and that, I'm like, yeah, I know somebody that works at ESPN. <laughs> so I do brag right. about you all the time. And this is amazing. So tell us about your experiences at ESPN, like you're probably your biggest lessons learned at ESPN. Wow, so many. Um, first of all, I learned what snow was. And <laughs> Yes, what yes. What like 15 degree weather was, because prior to that I hadn't seen snow ever, like never traveled anywhere cold, because why would anyone do that? When I moved there, I was like, they even gave me some time, the first time it snowed like on campus, they even gave me some time to like go outside and watch it, because they, they, told, they knew that I had never seen it, so they were like, go look at it. So yeah, it was very funny for everyone. But no, I mean, lessons, look, I was, first of all, personally, like I was living with my parents up until I, I moved to Connecticut. So learning how to live on your own, Yeah, you know? Granted, I called my mom all the time, but still, <laughs> you know, learning yeah. on your own and, yeah. and, and, you know, having Fena to be like, oh, let me not call my mom on, like, how this laundry thing works. Let me just, like, figure it out, you know, because I'm very spoiled that way. Not right. monetarily spoiled, yeah. but chore spoiled. Right. But anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so it was adulting, right? And making sure that things were, you know, Food is not just going to appear in your fridge. You got to go get it. Right. Yes. Yeah. So all these forest. little things. Yes. Yeah. All these little <laughs> things that I just wasn't used to, and you get used to by living on your own. But also, it was a completely different culture. Um, I was used to Miami Herald before, or mostly Hispanic there. Very warm, welcoming. You know, like very like want to know everything about your life kind of thing all the time. So I was just used to that because I also am like that. You know. So there are things that just go unsaid. For example, there were a lot of things also that I, I, I think that I've learned how to speak English better. Because prior to that, there were certain objects that I just 
Didn't know it. And we didn't have to learn, right? They didn't <laughs> care to know the, the English word for it because I didn't have to because I just told everybody in Spanish yep. and then they just know. And But this time, no, I had to learn a lot of English vocab. Um, <laughs> but out of everything, honestly, what I learned is how to work in a huge company because ESPN is massive, thousands mm-hmm. of employees. Before, it was like I can go to the top person of the entire newsroom whenever I wanted because... You know, they're very open to feedback and everything, but uh, ESPN, I can't just go to the president of ESPN whenever I want. You know what I mean? Like, there's several channels that you have to pass, then you can talk to them, et cetera. Right. So just, and how to work in a corporate environment, because as much as the Miami Herald is a corporation and, and, and it was, it's a huge business, um, and it's like world-renowned and everything, it's, there's just a small staff. Right. So you get to know everyone pretty well. Here, there's thousands of people that you see every day that are complete strangers, you know? Right. You just don't know them. So working in a big corporation and, wor- and working in what actually is corporate America is something that was very strange to me. Learning what red tape was, very strange right. to me. I was a person that was used to ha- working five different jobs at a time. You know what I mean? At ESPN, because it's such a massive company and they have channels with an yeah. S. And, you know, social media channels and digital platforms and all these different platforms, everything had to be, like, very departmentalized, I yeah. guess. Up for obvious reasons because there's just so much work and I just wasn't used to working that. yeah so I learned how to you know and collaborate with whole different departments that didn't work with you every day yeah you know so it's like how do you introduce yourself to them as crazy as and silly as it sounds how to craft an email a cold email you know like yeah. hey you don't know me I don't know yeah. you but let's get Starbucks yeah. you know on me you know <laughs> thankfully we had a Starbucks on campus so it was really easy for everybody to just meet each other right so ESPN has like different I guess clubs within the um, the organization for example for Hispanic employees for women for black employees etc I joined those very quickly just to start meeting people and try to see what I, else I can do other than like my shift right at work so yeah so all of these things of like feeling very small in a very big place wow um when before after five years you get to not necessarily be a big person in no a but you, you have like that family kind of feel exactly. and vibe yeah i could definitely see exactly. that exactly and trying to build relationships with like I, again people that i met there you know and and right i think that's always been my very like my mantra through the beginning it's like i just want to learn everything, even as minuscule as it possibly can be for things. Because if I'm going to eventually be a manager, be in charge of a team, I never want to send out one of my team members to do something that cannot be done. Right. You know what I mean? And that they're and not I, prepared for. And I don't want them to tell me that can't be done when I know it can. You right. know what I mean? So I just, that's why I need, I, it was very important to me. To learn as much as I can from all these different positions. Again, that proactive, that mm-hmm. you've just always been so proactive yeah. in those different pieces. So what was your career highlight? Like, the moment you fanned out at ESPN, the most memorable moment there. Wow. I don't want to say that this was like a career highlight in, in a happy way, Okay. I guess. Um, I mean, seeing celebrities just pass around you was pretty cool now obviously. you're showing off yeah you're showing off like in the sense of like sports celebrities yeah, yeah, you know right. which yeah. i don't know in the in the celebrity list i don't know if they're where like they c d e i don't know where but i'm sure like a list celebrities also yeah. see them as celebrities because that's where they get their news yeah you know what I mean? whatever so that was pretty cool um but i think the, the day that i'm I'll, i think i'll most remember 
and it's because I think I'm a little crazy. It's because is the day that Kobe died. It's not. It wasn't. It's not a happy memory, but right. it was a memory that I was there when, like, I was working on my shift when we got the news, and seeing how all these different outlets reported it versus how we reported it was. It was. I was proud to work there. You I know get what that. I mean? Yeah. Because we wanted to verify a trillion times that yeah. everything that we were putting out there was true. Right. I received 25 different texts that day. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? And we just didn't have anything to share because we hadn't confirmed right. with who we needed to confirm in order to let the public know that we are saying right. that Kobe had died. And one of my friends even said it. She's like, Oh, I saw the news on ESPN now. I didn't believe it until you guys had posted it. Yeah. So that level of credibility is something that I always remember because it was sort it, of yeah. like the whole world Froze wanted to stuff. just turn yeah. to us to make sure that this was real. Um, and a lot of outlets got it wrong. Um, a lot of outlets... Painfully wrong. Th- yeah. Painfully wrong. Exactly. Right. And a lot of outlets didn't, didn't wait or didn't you know, double check or whatever. And I'm glad that we were on the side that we, we wanted to be, number one, respectful, and number two, accurate, you know, yeah. in, in, in a time where things aren't accurate anymore. So my journalism heart in that moment was really proud, proud yeah. because I was in an organization who understood the meaning of it. So that, I think, was one of the career highlights. And, and you know, the extra hours that I had to put in that day yeah. or whatever was just ex- exactly kind of what reminded me, this is exactly why I'm doing this. That's you know? amazing. So, yeah, and I think that that's a, actually a, a very powerful moment because it, you know, you're, you're speaking to the integrity of the organization mm-hmm. um, and definitely that respect. But I think also you know, in what you're saying, and I'm, I'm hearing it in your mm-hmm. voice, is how you guys came together. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was one of your own. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to make sure that let's do this right, let's do this respectfully, and let's make sure that you know, we showcase him for all that he's really contributed. Exactly, exactly. And then and all, like, the entire week, because it was the week it was last year, just the week before the Super Bowl. So usually the week before the Super Bowl, it's just like hardness. Yeah. It's like, you know, like it's kind of like a break before the big game and, right. and everything. And I remember it was just all about Kobe. And, and so and no idea was left unturned as to what can we share about his life and what can we celebrate about his life. So here you are, ESPN. Mm-hmm. You've secured the job of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then you decide to leave. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be like, what? How yeah. did you leave ESPN? Yeah. So let's first start with here you're at ESPN and you're planning to transition out, like you're, that thinking, right? And then, you know, and then tell us about FIBA. It was never lost on me how grateful I had to be, or not had to be, but how grateful I was and how much this company offered to everyone, right? right? But... I think what doesn't get talked about often is what happens when you reach that pinnacle? What happens when you are on the top of this mountain? Yes. Right? And then what's worse is what happens when you're on the top of this mountain and you're like, I hate it here. Like, yeah. this is not what I want. You know? I reached it. High school Veronica can shut up and say <laughs> she did it. But what, what happens with 25-year-old Veronica? Yeah. You know, 10 years later. Wow. You know? Yeah. So I reached the top, and I remember 2019 was the, the year, the, the year, the full year that I was there. So because I started December 2018, 2019 was a full year. Then I left in August of 2020. So 2019 was horrible for me, horrible, because 
I was just very depressed about being there, being, I think, being away from family, being away from friends, being in a climate that I did not enjoy. The big corporate world environment was just not for me. I quickly realized that it's just not. And Connecticut, out in extracurricular activity. Hartford, yeah, I know. I'm very familiar with Hartford, Connecticut. They didn't yeah. have a lot to offer in yeah. my, what do I do outside of it? And Granted, it wasn't the hours because at the Herald, I was used to working till like you know midnight, twelve at two a.m. Whatever, like that was never the case of like the hours. It was just sort of like you know even when I was at the Herald, I would walk outside and I would see like palm trees and sun. Like I would walk yeah. outside here and it's just like gloomy. And so I was like, I don't like that, you know, because if I have a bad day, I can just drive. I can't just drive to the beach and yep. just look at the ocean and then right. feel better and come back, you know. So it was just it was just not for me. And so it was really bad. I was having breakdowns all the time um till i realized you know it's just it's this disappointment i think that the more i felt was just this disappointment of i have reached what is what was my goal well, it's hundreds of people's goals and i just don't like this i don't like working in a big corporation and i think when you go through things like that you battle certain things right like mm -hmm. am i ungrateful am mm -hmm. i you know is something wrong with me mm -hmm. or is this the best it's going to be or mm -hmm. get and you know, this can't be living, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So how did you like filter through all that? So at first I was just very angry at myself, at, at work, at people in Connecticut that like didn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> They're like, you know what I mean? I was just yeah. constantly angry. And granted, I should have gone to therapy one trillion percent, <laughs> but I didn't. And so I think it was just things that sort of never really, like I just didn't want to get attached to this place. And it. and it was my own, I was doing this to myself. I called a friend and she's like, yeah, because she had gone through a similar thing where she reached the goal she wanted. She was like, I hate this. She left. And she's like, yeah, like that, that happens. And you at least found out. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And you and found out super young. And exactly. like, that's, you know what I mean? No kids, <laughs> no marriage, so no yeah. nothing. And, and granted, I had um, my, my partner, my, my boyfriend came to Connecticut with me, also got a job at ESPN. He himself had has been a sports fan since the womb. You know what I mean. So yeah. he's played all of it. So, um, and he himself was like, "Yeah, I also do not like." Yeah. It. <laughs> you know, um, I think I didn't like it more than he did, obviously. But but we both kind of made this because we were living together, and that's another thing. Um, we were, and so we had to both make the decision: Are we both leaving, or is it just going to be me? And and one of the other things that I really sort of thought about was. Whose spot am I taking? Mm. You know what I mean? That's powerful. Because there's a hundreds of people that would love to work at ESPN. Whose spot am I taking this long and, and, and denying them that opportunity? You know, what's crazy, um, you know, when I do um, leadership coaching and mm -hmm. things of that nature, and, and we're having this, should I stay in an organization or should I exit an organization? And one thing that I constantly tell people is there was a season. This was your opportunity during that season. And now there's going to be new opportunities for you. But the more you resist, you're robbing somebody else mm -hmm. of this seat of their opportunity. Exactly. And you're making another place wait for you to show up. Exactly. You know, and I think that that's absolutely powerful. And I don't think we think of it that much because mm -hmm. sometimes, to your point, we get the dream job or we get the position or something that we're just so grateful for to have that all of a sudden the idea of leaving it, we're like, oh my God, I can't leave. It's like I've worked so hard for this. But if it's time for us to move in and evolve and go into where we're supposed to be next, we're holding up. The same way it was our opportunity when it showed up to us, 
it could be somebody else's opportunity. Exactly. But the more I say like, no, no, this has to be my opportunity forever, mm -hmm. we're shutting somebody out. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really powerful to process like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So here you are, you're like, okay, I'm done. How did FIBA come into the world? So at ESPN, I, in one of my many networking coffee grabs, whatever, um, I had met this guy. He um, was working in the production side, so Sports Center and, and doing um, projects for them. And um, he had just gotten a job at FIBA in Miami. I was like, in Miami? I was like, no, 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 no. So you misunderstand. Like, there's no FIBA in Miami because I, I knew of yeah. everything that Miami had to offer as far as media goes, you know? So I texted him. I was like, oh, dude, congrats on the new gig, whatever. He's like, oh, my God, call me. So he calls me. He's like, hey, there's this new position opening up. See if you want to apply. I, and I'll... I'll be super candid. I don't know if he's going to like this, but he's, he's told me, I forgot that you existed. <laughs> so I'm really glad that you texted me because now I'm remembering our conversation when we grabbed coffee and I think you would be really good for this role. Because then, like I said, I, I, once I got to the top, I quickly realized I'm at the top and love my boyfriend. He's amazing. What a great human being. But like, I was lonely. I get that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I was like, who am I celebrating this with? Yeah. Is it worth celebrating this by myself and obviously with my boyfriend which I love very much but you know it, it, I like, got where you yeah you know yes. what I mean and I was like no and and honestly and what am I doing with my free time the time that really sometimes matters more yes you know um not much and I'm young I'm in my 20s am I gonna spend my 20s here in Connecticut so <laughs> so, so I was like I don't know I don't think so um so that was kind of where like I was like okay I don't want to close the door on ESPN because you, I don't you want never to close know. the Herald. Yeah. I worked at Quicksilver. I would never close the door on Quicksilver either, you right. know? But I just don't see myself in my 20s there. Right. Um, maybe in the future, maybe who knows. But just right now, it's not what I need. And that's okay. You right. Know? I can't stress enough how powerful that story is and I, how, you know, it takes courage to be at the top of the mountain mm -hmm. and say, yeah, I'm going to step down from it. Yeah. Like not and have knowing, someone else be on the top yeah, of the mountain. And, and, you know, not knowing if you'll ever be in that position again. Not knowing, you know, but like, you know what, I'm going to be okay with it. Like, mm -hmm. whatever this is, I'm going to be okay with it. And that takes a lot of courage. Yeah, I was terrified. I was terrified <laughs> going up there. But were you relieved coming back? Well, I'm never relieved. I'm just always an anxious person. Let's just start there. Let's just start there. There's always anxiety okay. looming at every corner. But I, what I felt coming back was just sort of like, this is another goal I had that I achieved. You know what I, I love mean? That. Yeah. Because I made coming back to Miami be my 2020 goal. So what is FIBA for those of so, us that right. are not? <laughs> so the way, the quick way I always explain it is FIBA is like FIFA, but for basketball, Got same it. thing. So Done. yeah, because and but you know I do want to get it to, and I think all of us that work here want to get it to a point where it's we don't have to explain that anymore. Because FIBA is now just this household name, and so FIBA can be that too because basketball is growing everywhere. Right. So um, it's the governing body, basically, of basketball that has to do with everything outside of the NBA, basically, even though the NBA and us are partners. So we handle a lot of the different national federations, and we're trying to grow the game of basketball in all different corners of the world. So obviously, we ourselves can't handle the entire globe. So that's why there's regions and right. offices for each region, and then we're all in charge of you know, what corresponds to us. So we do the Americas, everything from Argentina all the way to Canada. 
So we deal with like around 48 different national federations who are just as passionate about basketball, just like we are. That means helping them in whatever they need and also putting on competitions to showcase more of their talent, right. you know. But you can see that people really do have this hunger for like, wow, I didn't know Honduras played basketball. Or like, wow, my Venezuelan team is finally represented in yeah. this thing. So it's, it's really cool seeing that because it's usually like, oh, South American countries, soccer, done. You made a lot of mention in your story about mentors. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much value to them. So can you kind of take me through like your mentors and how they've influenced your walk? Starting from the Herald, Alex Mena, just teaching me exactly what I needed to know, cold cut truth of what I needed to be doing at all times. Right. right. So um, professionally, in school, girl, it was all you. <laughs> so no, you have no idea. Like, I mean, I always thought like, I, at the Herald, I'm learning all the journalism stuff that has to do with my career. And at school, I was learning how to communicate with these people. Right. Because believe it or not, um, people in communication fields don't know how to communicate <laughs> with each other. They don't. Like right. that is the one, and that's why there's consultants. Yeah. You know? That's why there's all these different, that's why those careers exist. Yeah. Because these people don't know how to communicate. This is true. Which is crazy. Because <laughs> we're, so our job is to communicate with the world, and, and we can't communicate with each other. Right. So, um, Learning how to communicate with these people, learning how to treat people, I think was huge in your classes. You know, but I think to your point though, and I think what makes you an amazing mentee, and I, it, again, it's the common thread that I'm hearing, is you are very good with like, here's the blunt information, I'm gonna take it and evolve it and grow it. And mm -hmm. so with you, you know, obviously I, I have to learn and engage like how much somebody can take mm -hmm. of raw truth. Mm -hmm. uh, and you were always, when I'm like, no friends, this is not, and I remember when I, that yeah. we had one, I was like, no friend, that's not how this is going to work. Yeah. This is what you should do, and these are the reasons why. Yeah. And you looked at me, because you didn't like the answer. Yeah. You looked at me and you said, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. Like, you're like, I got it. And I think um, the fact that, you know, it's a testament to your personality, to who you are, to your achievements, is that you're open, you know, for that feedback, for that area of growth. And, you know, as much as we all like to believe that we can handle information straight up and raw and the critique, it's hard. It is. You know, it's hard, and you've always handled it like a champ. You're in an industry that is heavily male-dominated. Mm -hmm. um, we are seeing a lot of shift and changes mm -hmm. in that, and we're seeing it rapidly, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, but what advice would you give to women um, who are just going into any field or industry that is male-dominated? As long as you know what your strengths are and the reason why you're there, whether it's like write yourself a little like post and note, put it on your dashboard or your car or put it like in a notebook in front of whatever you take notes on of the day. I think that's huge. I am here because I did X projects because I know how to do Y thing on Excel or because I know how to, whatever it is that you know got you hired. Outside of just women, just going into any field, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, when we forget what our strengths are, then we're allowed to be told we're not good enough at that table. Mm -hmm. We're allowed, you know, we kind of, that imposter syndrome mm -hmm. begins to boil up in us because we forget mm -hmm. what we're bringing to the table. And so mm -hmm. even though everybody around us can see our value, mm -hmm. because we forgot, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it shifts the way we operate, exactly. the way how we feel, and it, it just is a whole negative experience. I, you know, I am so proud of you. I am beyond proud of you. <laughs> And, you know, I just thank you for sharing your insight. And I can't wait, right? So we're gonna, when you officially hit that 10-year mark in the industry to see where you're at and what yeah. you're doing. And, I mean, 
I know as much, you know, we're all about moving the tribe forward and I think that you could see it in your heart and how you operate and how you do things. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Remember to download Mantra Me and to share it with your friends because it's the easiest way to get to the podcast. And remember guys, it's always about the humble hustle.